Why don't you open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 32. We'll go into verse 32. And it says this, During the night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two maidservants, and his 11 sons and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream along with his possessions. So Jacob was left alone. Someone say alone. And there a man wrestled with him until daybreak. Verse 25, when the man saw that he could not overpower Jacob, he struck the socket of Jacob's hip and dislocated it as they wrestled. And the man said, let me go for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. What is your name? The man asked. Jacob, he replied. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with men and you have prevailed. Verse 29, and Jacob requested, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed Jacob there. So Jacob named the place Peniel, saying, indeed, I have seen God face to face, and yet my life was spared. I came to tell you, Mercy Culture Waco, that private prayer releases the dunamis or the power of God. My assignment today is to stir the embers. As Pastor Jordan even said, the embers are already here. I already felt in worship. There's already embers here. There's already fire here. But my assignment today is to stir the embers and cause fire again in hearts that may have grown weary and may have grown, grown cold. The title of this message is The Dunamis Wrestle. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, I pray right now that you would open the heavens and come in. Open the heavens and release your power, release your words, release your might. I pray right now that healing would be released today. I pray that encounters with God would happen today. I pray that there would be nothing hindering us from hearing your word and sensing your spirit. I pray that you would take us into a holy place. Come on, pray right now that he would come in, that the King of Kings would enter in and abide, that you would stay here, be among us today, during the service, we give this service to you, our words to you, our worship to you, our mind to you, our emotions to you, our past week, our past month, all of 2023 given to you, every part that wasn't surrendered. God, we give it right now, lay it before your feet. All of the highs and all of the lows we lay before you today has an honor to you, as an honor to give to you. Let it be a pleasing aroma. I pray that my words would be your words. Give us ears to hear, eyes to see, and minds to understand what you are saying to us today. For this is the day that the Lord has made, and what a gift it is to bring it back to you. So we rejoice and are glad to be in your house, to be in your presence, to be here on this Sunday morning. There's no place we'd rather be than in your presence. So we say, speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So in 2012, I have a journal, and I still have these journals, and I was reflecting on it a couple months ago. And in 2012, I wrote in that prayer journal. Uh, so 2012, I'm 31, so I, I don't know, what was I then? I was, I was probably like 20 years old. Any 20-year-olds year old, in the house? Couple, you're all shy. Don't be shy, 20-year-olds. Uh, so 2012, I, I write this in a prayer journal. And I, as I'm reflecting, I'm seeing what I write, and I write realizing that I don't have a private prayer life. 
And I'm writing how I want and I desire a private prayer life. And what's interesting is this was my fourth prayer journal within two years. So I had a practice of praying, but I didn't have a private prayer life. Something began to be revealed and unlocked to me like I was beginning to understand that I did something without and I was missing something. See, I would say that I surf, but I'm not a surfer. Now, I went out this past summer, uh, and I surfed with my brother-in-law, Vanessa's brother. He, he, he runs a surf camp out there, and so I've been surfing the last number of years, but I can't say that I'm a surfer. I live in Texas. I don't live on the beach, so my access to surfing is, isn't quite there yet. Uh, but I'm out there learning to surf, getting better at surfing, and then we go surfing with the guy that run, like owns the, uh, uh, the surfing camp thing, whatever. So we go out and surf with him. Man, I tell you what, like I go out and I feel like I'm, you know, just giving everything I got. Anybody ever surfed before? All right, a couple. Okay, my friends. So like I'm working hard to try to manipulate the board, get in the right place and ride the, ride the waves. And then you go and watch him and he just like effortlessly just looks like he's just paddling like this and just floating across the water, finds the waves, catches another wave. And he's just going to the front, to the back. Like it's so easy for him. And just talking with him, I realized like I, man, <laughs> I don't understand the ocean. I'm not a surfer. It's the same with prayer. Some of you, you pray, but you don't understand the spirit. You haven't learned to ride the waves or the ebbs and flows of the spirit in your prayer life. You pray without praying. You worship without worshiping. There is this engagement that happens, and I began to reflect and realize I was praying, filled four prayer journals, but I didn't have an intimate life with God. A man or woman that has a prayer life or a man or woman of prayer is one who has cultivated intimacy and authority with God in the secret place. How we grow in the wrestle or uh, in the wrestle of private prayer is by getting alone with God and letting him wrestle us. Jacob was in an all-night wrestling prayer meeting with Jesus himself. Ephesians 6 says, uh, verse 12, it says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, not against your neighbor, not against your wife or your husband, not against uh, your pastor, not against that leader, not against that boss, but against principalities, powers, and rulers of this dark world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And I want to tell you, before you learn the wrestle of outward powers, we must be trained in the wrestle of private prayer, to be trained and discipled by power dunamis himself. How do we grow in prayer? How do we become a man or woman of prayer? We embrace the wrestle. Genesis, Jacob it says that he was left alone. A lot of us, what happens when you're left alone? What fills your time? What fills your mind? What fills what distractions come in? What behaviors and habits come in? When we're left alone, who and what is the reality of your relationship and your authenticity with God? This is the place where we learn to wrestle with him. Jacob caught in an all-night prayer meeting which resulted in a name change a physical change to his body, and things shifted from being the God of his fathers, Abraham and Isaac, to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and now Jacob. There was generational transfer that happened in the wrestle of God and Jacob. After this night of prayer, Jacob's destiny changed. The once deceiver, manipulator, deliberate wrongdoer wrestles through his great fears, stresses, 
anxieties, wounds. Prayer is a place where God wrestles out of you your humanity, wrestles out of you your selfish nature, wrestles out of you your fears, wrestles out your anxieties, wrestles out those worries that keep you up, wrestles out those things that are hindering you. It's the place of prayer that God begins to wrestle those things out of us and begins to purify us. Prayer purifies you, exposes you, challenges you. Prayer is the place of refinement. So embrace the wrestle. 2014, so 2012, I realized I don't have a private prayer life and I begin asking. That started the real journey of it actually happening began in 2014. This wrestle with God. And it became out of an abrupt stop. I was in ministry at that, at that point from 2000, really 10 to 2014. And my ministry journey stopped abruptly because I, I needed to. <laughs> I had hidden sin. I had addictions in my life. And I was unqualified to fulfill the call of God on my life because I embraced a lifestyle of sin. So that ends shortly. I have to uh, end relationships, get rid of my dog, start over fresh, and, and begin this journey of really wrestling with God because I was in ministry and I was using God instead of being with God. I'd go to him for messages instead of going to be with him. And the pursuit that began was a pursuit of real, authentic relationship with Jesus. Where are you at in your pursuit? Who are you pursuing? In the pursuit of godliness, here's the thing that I've learned, is that you'll be confronted with your godlessness. When you're pursuing purity, you'll be confronted with your impurities. So I began this pursuit of purity, finding my own impurities, learning how to wrestle, learning how to be, learning, learning how to just understand and wrestle through who God is and who he wants me to be. But when we moved to Texas, so we were in Arizona at that time, and we moved to Texas in 2018, and I would say the next level of wrestling began to happen. And all of the dumb mindsets began to surface even more. Mindsets like this where I would say, uh, I hate ministry. I would say things and like preaching is useless. I would say all of this stuff, no one wants to follow me. I'm not a great leader. Just on and on and on, I could go about the dumb mindsets and it was stuff that would make my wife cringe as I'm saying these things. It's like they had some truth to it because of my past experiences, but I hadn't seen the touch of God or the reality of God yet. And so God used situations and us moving here to expose and bring me into the place of wrestling. Wrestle through those thoughts. And uh, I never thought I'd be in ministry again. And you just heard me say, I hate ministry. I actually embraced that wrestle, got into that wrestle and realized it's not ministry that I hate, it's manipulation. It's performance. See, there's things that you might think that you hate or that you're resisting, but re the reality is there's something there that you've got to find and wrestle through to find the heart of God. Every little thing like this becomes wrestling matches to find the heart of God. So I hate ministry turned into this encounter wrestling with God where I realize I was dishonoring the bride 
that he gave his life for. What's at the other end of your wrestle? It's God's heart. So when we learn to embrace the wrestle, we get into this place to where our heart becomes tender. And slowly and consistently, I was confronted with more and more issues and more and more wrestling matches. And I learned we must embrace the wrestle in our alone time with God. I've seen men who haven't embraced the wrestle who are in their late years. And I would say even uh, not in a way to dishonor my own father. He's done an amazing job. But seeing the reality of stuff when he talks about his 20s that he hasn't wrestled out yet. And it's been 30 plus years. I don't want that. I don't want to be 50 years old and still saying these same things. I want God to touch my heart. I want God to touch your heart and reveal his heart to you. All of these little thoughts actually become these, I would call them, they're God-resistant thoughts. And we must get into that place of prayer and let God touch them. What I learned is that God is in the wrestle and the wrestle softens us. A key, though, that keeps you in that place, in that place that's moldable, in that place that's soft, is praying until... I'll never forget the moment where God told me that I was stopping short in my encounters. Some of you in here, you just need to get consistent with your encounters. Other of you, you stop short because you feel him. You've learned to encounter him, but you stop short just because you've encountered him. You have partial encounters. God began to pull me into deeper encounters. What's stopping you from the deeper place of God? What's stopping you from that access of intimacy and authority? Though you've gotten into his presence, I want to pull and call on some of you that are growing in your leadership. This is that place where you don't stop short, but you lean in further. You're in worship, and it's great that he's here, but there's a holy of holies that we need to learn to access, and we only access by the Spirit in giving ourselves to him. Matthew 7, 7, it says this, ask and keep on asking. Knock and keep on knocking, seek and keep on seeking. There is a place, an aspect of prayer that we must pray until, instead of just praying. Praying until we see breakthrough. Praying until you see or unlock something that you have that God has for you. Do you pray? Do you pray in your encounters until there's an unlocking? Is, is persistence and perseverance a part of the character and the nature of you as a son, as a daughter of God? This is a major key that God has taught me. And too often we pray half-hearted prayers because we're impatient or we're not willing to wait. Not willing to surrender. But men and women of prayer, pray till heaven moves. Pray till cloudiness clears up. Pray till heaviness lifts. Pray till shame breaks off. Freedom breaks through. They pray until dumb mindsets become truth. They pray till wounds are healed. And if you're like me, you pray until your hard heart becomes soft. We are molded by prayer, softened by prayer, and tenderized by prayer. In private prayer until we surrender. Private prayer until boredom transforms into passion. Private prayer until our lawlessness becomes godliness. Private prayer until our eyes become locked in with the eyes of the King of Kings. What do you do when you pray? Don't stop praying until you see and you hear and you know God is there. 
God told you to come to Waco. God told you to sell your business. God told you to go obey, start a business. But have you stopped short because things got hard? We must pray until we see breakthrough. Pray until obedience is accomplished. Pray until the heart and the will of God is established. Pray until his kingdom has come. And we have a revelation that we carry of it's easy in his presence. But sometimes when you're in that place of obedience, maybe you can be honest and say, it's easy in his presence isn't working. You've been there? Men and women of prayer, men and women of intimacy and authority, don't take that for the answer. You pray until hard things become easy. I say, give me hard things because I know the place of intimacy and authority where God makes things easy. Do you know that place where you can take a hard and challenging situation that is too heavy and too weighty for you that you can't fix on your own? But you know that place where I can get alone with God and he will make the hard things easy. He will make the crooked things straight. He will purify what I can't purify. Do you know that place in prayer? Do you know that place of intimacy and authority where God begins to mold his man and woman? Do you know that place? Genesis 32, 26, Jacob says, I will not let go unless you bless me. I pray, Waco, that you would be men and women that wouldn't let go until you see the blessing of God, the hand of God, the heart of God. We must learn to take every trigger, every challenge, every soapbox that you get on, every warning sign to the place of prayer, to the place of wrestling, to the place of holding on to Jesus until you get his heart, not holding on to the wound, not holding on to the situation, but holding on to Jesus. Jacob held on to Jesus until. Can you hold on to God? Let go of your situation and hold on to God until there is breakthrough. We must learn to wrestle. Every challenge you face must be doused, saturated, and brought through the refining fire of his word and of his spirit. And this is the place of private prayer where God makes his man and makes his woman. Where you get irked and irritated, take it to prayer. Matthew 3, verse 11, John the Baptist says this about Jesus, and John saying about himself, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I whose sandals I am not worthy to carry, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. That fire is to burn up the crookedness in the, crookedness in the ways we think, the crookedness in the ways we feel, the crooked paradigms, the unrighteous paradigms. It is the fire of God that is the symbol of his presence and of his judgment. Do you know the fire? And then we get into that place of private prayer. You take those triggers. You take those challenges. You invite the Spirit of God in, and Jesus disciples you. He reveals his truth to you, and you begin to surrender yourself. As we sang, we yield ourselves to you. As you begin to yield yourself to the Spirit, the fire of God cleansing and purifying your inner man. We must be led into the fire. We must be led into the Spirit. We must be led into the wrestle. Romans 8, 14 says, for all who are allowing themselves to be led by the spirit of God are sons of God. For all who are allowing, are you allowing him or are you resisting him? 
Are you allowing him or are you in control? Have you yielded yourself to the spirit of God? Have you yielded control? Have you yielded your circumstances to the power and the authority of the almighty? Have you let the spirit of God lead you? For these are the sons or the daughters of God who let themselves, who yield themselves to the spirit. I want to tell you that prayer thrives in atmospheres of yielding, thrives in atmospheres of abandonment. When we learn to abandon our ship, abandon our circumstances, abandon our self-accolades, abandon our self-promotion, abandon our self-preservation, when we learn to abandon ourselves to that place, to the Spirit, prayer begins to thrive. Where your will is left behind, your desires are left behind, your pains are left behind, your secrets are left behind, your promotions are left behind, your self-interest is left behind. Self-abandonment becomes the living sacrifice Romans 12 talks about. Where therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in a view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, for this is your true and proper worship. Our proper and true worship is to be abandoned from ourself to God, to the Spirit of God, to His Word and His leading. And this is where the fire is, and this is where prayer thrives. It's in the place where you let go of control. It's in the place where you lay yourself down on the altar. See, the fire of God, we look in the Old Testament, we see the meeting place, the tent, the tabernacle. There was the altar where they would bring sacrifices and burn sacrifices to the Lord as well as they would have incense to cover the smell. And it says that that incense would be this pleasing aroma to God. Where all throughout scripture says our prayer is as incense and our incense is a sweet aroma or our prayer is a sweet aroma to God. But both the sacrifice and the incense cannot live without the fire. Without the fire, you just have a dead carcass. Without the fire, you just have some cute rocks of incense. But when you begin to have the fire, there's something different. When you have the fire of God on the inside of you, you become this pleasing aroma to God and your prayer ascends to heavens. Your prayer ascends to the place that shifts and shakes atmospheres, but not without the fire of God where his fire, his spirit touches you, but we have to yield ourselves to it. What are the things that are keeping you back from the fire? They're fire-resistant thoughts, fire-resistant experiences, fire-resistant opinions, and we must lay those opinions and circumstances down to let his fire touch us. Prayer ascends on the flames of a burning and abandoned heart your prayer life needs fire i had four prayer journals without the fire what's your prayer life like is it missing is it needing the flame of fire i'm going to warn you when you begin to pray for the fire of god be ready to see your ugly self-nature at work you're going to pray and we love the fire of God. That means stuff's going to start being purged from us. That means you might say something you haven't said in a long time and you're going to be like, oh my gosh, where'd that come from? It's God purifying you. Behaviors, emotions, actions. When you begin to receive and yield yourself to the fire of God, this is refining you into and conforming you 
Philippians says that we are conformed, really, unto the death. I, don't, I didn't put it in, in, the, uh, in the notes, so guys, if you're looking for it. Something where in Philippians, but it says that we are conformed unto death, conformed into the image of God, into Jesus, where we are conformed. It's that private place of prayer where you are transformed, conformed. But we must see the things that need to be exposed and purified. And when you pray for it, God will show you it. But rejoice and thank God for those ugly thoughts. And you're like, why would I rejoice? Because it's purifying you. Rejoice that this stuff is being exposed. Rejoice that God is showing you. Rejoice because now the fire becomes closer. Intimacy and authority with God becomes closer. There's a greater access as this stuff is beginning to be severed out of your heart, out of your past, and out of your mind. Rejoice, friends, when those behaviors and beliefs are surfacing because now you have the opportunity to trade them and exchange them. This is what that word prayer means. It means to exchange our earthly realities for his heavenly ones. But how can you exchange your earthly realities if you haven't gone to that place to allow him to reveal it? And then how can you not exchange it unless you get to that place of alone with God where you have an encounter to wrestle out that selfish nature, and exchange him for a spiritual one. Without fire, without abandonment, without surrender, you pray without praying, and your lukewarm atmospheres will shut the door to private prayer. Pride and selfishness will turn on the cold water, leading us to neglect the power of prayer. Came to challenge you and tell you and stir, do not neglect the place and the power of prayer. Prayer is so vital that the apostles gave themselves to it. They gave themselves to two things, the word and prayer. If those closest to Jesus, think about it, those closest, Jesus, God comes in the flesh, spends 33 years, and those closest to them, what did they give themselves to? Building businesses, building the church, says that they gave themselves to prayer and the word. What I found is those closest to God are given to these two things, the word and prayer. And Jesus himself is interceding. The spirit of God is interceding. If those that are closest to Jesus are in intercession in prayer and we want to be like him, how much more do we need the place of prayer, need the access of intimacy, need the place of intercession? If the perfect son was shaped by, guided by, and led by prayer, caught in all-night prayer, often in prayer, long hours alone in prayer, how much more do imperfect people need to pray? Prayer is the pathway for God's plans, desires, his redemption, salvation, power, restoration, reformation, and revival into the land. God is in prayer. Show me a man or a woman who knows God. I'll show you a man or woman who knows prayer. Those who know God know Prayer and what happens when we neglect prayer? What happens in your marriage when you ne neglect prayer? What happens in your business when you ne neglect prayer? The lights grow dim. Proverbs 20, 27 says that the spirit is the lamp of the Lord. What happens when we neglect that place? The light gets dim. Our flesh thrives. We stay full of ourselves 
dark and dim, our will begins to lead us. We become self-sufficient, self-sustained, and self-satisfies. What happens when you neglect prayer? I would say, I'm a product of prayer. This church is a product of prayer. You're a product of prayer. I'm a product of prayer. I began to realize this in my early 20s, that same, same time frame. I'm a product of prayer. My dad was the oldest of, he had six younger, so he's the oldest of, would you call that six or seven? He was the seventh, so he's the oldest of seven. Uh, his oldest of seven grew up in, in uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota, and didn't have a believing mom or dad. His parents would actually drop all the kids off at a, at a church uh, for free daycare. <laughs> and uh, they didn't love the Lord, but they were dropped off at this church, and, and during this time, my dad would tell me about a grandma who went to that church, and she would always come to him. My dad's name's Merlin, and I'm sure she would say, Merlin, I'm praying for your salvation. He said this lady would always catch him and say, I'm praying for you, praying for your salvation. And my dad, oldest of seven, who punched his dad, knocked his dad out at 14, got kicked out of three different schools, literally beat and abused his brothers and sisters, they can talk to them today, they would just say like they were terrified of my dad because of how aggressive and abusive he was. But this grandma prayed for this, I would say, punk kid. Prayed for his salvation. My dad gets radically saved around 19 years old. Riding Harleys, getting in with things he shouldn't get into. And the man says, you're smarter than this. And God begins to speak to my dad gives his life to the Lord, goes to Bible college, becomes a pastor, marries my mom, and now has three children all in ministry. I'm the youngest of three. They still, my parents still love God. All three of us love Jesus. I am the product of a woman who said, I'm going to pick out this young boy and I'm going to pray for his salvation. I'm the product of a praying mom. I'm a product of a praying grandma. I'm a product of a praying church member. For years, and it wasn't just her, it was my, my parents prayed. My mom, early morning praying. I have her prayer journal. She passed in 2020 and I have her prayer journal. and begin to see the intimacy and the authority that she carried where no one was looking and no one was around, but for years she would pray for my deliverance, pray for me to know God, pray for me to know the lover of my soul. She would say that, I pray Isaac would know the lover of his soul. I'm a product of a praying mom. You are a product of prayers. Don't neglect the place and the power of prayer. What happens if that lady didn't pray? What happens if my parents didn't pray? What happened if your parents don't pray? What happened if you don't pray? What's hanging in the balance? If you neglect the place of prayer, would I still be here? I don't know. Would you still be here? I don't know. This is what Ian Bounds, a mighty man of prayer, says. He says, prayerless people stand in the way of God fulfilling his word and doing his will on earth. But praying men are a help to God. Prayerless men are a hindrance to him. I'm going to invite the band. You can come. I'm going to show you and reveal to you that Jesus did not neglect this place of prayer. I was in an, 
my encounter this week, just in my daily reading, and the scripture came up, stood out to me. I screenshotted it because uh, I wanted to go back to it later, and I circled this word. It's Luke chapter 5, verse 16. Speaking of Jesus, it says that he would withdraw to a desolate place and pray. Many translations include the word often. It says Jesus would often withdraw to desolate places and pray. Many other scriptures say that Jesus would slip away to prayer as was his custom. Now begin to see it was not just God's custom as he was God in the flesh, but all throughout scripture. And we see him wrestling in a desolate place with Jacob. Some practical advice as you're growing in, in prayer is set a time and a place for you to often encounter God and pray. I would say pray in the spirit until something shifts. Do the encounter with God stuff. Text encounter. Learn how you best encounter with him and then set a time and a place. Be consistency. I, I think we can overlook consistency and the power of consistency. That's been my word this year is learning consistency. When you learn to just continue, doesn't matter if you feel it or you have motivation, but there's power in just consistently having a time and a place where you're meeting with God. And you pray until something shifts. Pray in the spirit if you have your prayer language. Pray until atmosphere, something shifts. Ask him to speak to you. Ask him for his heart and wrestle through the things, the desolate places. When I looked up this word, the desolate place, it, it speaks of being a place without distractions, a place away from the normal comforts of life, the desolate place of prayer is where the power of God will be manifested in your life, where you wrestle out your flesh and sinful nature in exchange for his will and his desires. The desolate place is where you're alone with God like Jacob was. He sent all of his distractions ahead of him and found himself alone, and there God met him. It's in that place alone, that desolate place alone, where we remove distractions and we're faced with our own distractions. What's distracting you from intimacy and authority with God? What's lingering that shouldn't be lingering? What fears and anxieties are there? And we see Jesus in this place of desolate place in praying. I believe that Jesus often withdrew because he learned and knew he had to wrestle out his humanity to exchange it for the will and the heart of God. But when I saw this word desolate place, I actually saw the Waco tent. You're not in a building yet. I don't know if you realize that. You're in a desolate place. You can see the ground. You're in a desolate place. And I saw you in this desolate place tarrying for a building. But you weren't tarrying for a building. I saw you tarrying until you were clothed with power from on high. Luke 24, verse 49, Jesus says, Behold, I send you the promise of my, my Father upon you, but tarry. That word tarry means to sit down, means to wait or remain in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power or dunamis from on high. 
I think it's been 20 months that you've been in this tent, tarrying, waiting, remaining. And I believe that the power of God is coming to you, coming to this house, coming to this tent. You've been in a desolate place until God would clothe you with power. This church is bigger than you. It's bigger than your own life. It's bigger. There's a corporate manifestation of power that God is wanting to release to this body. Just felt even as I was praying for you that there's a mandate of prayer that's on this house. You're not in that building yet. There's a mandate of pray, praying until, praying until you see, praying until breakthrough, praying until the manifest presence, dunamis power of God is among you, abiding in you. Luke 5, where we see this verse 16, it says that he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. That little verse is sandwiched in between two things. Sandwiched in between where Jesus heals the leper and Jesus heals a paralytic. I began to understand and see this picture. Sandwiched between healing, Jesus going away to pray. And then as it says in verse 17, it says that on those days he was teaching the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem. It says the power or the dunamis of the Lord was with him to heal. Begin to make a connection. Dunamis is released through private prayer. When you begin to learn to wrestle, you begin to learn the dunamis power of God. You begin to manifest and, and understand and carry the power and the dunamis of God. The, the dunamis of God for what? To build your own kingdom? To build your own name? To build your own ministry? To build your own recognition? No, it's the dunamis power that was on Jesus not to build his kingdom. See, so they wanted to build his kingdom but he kept going to desolate places away from it. But God, Jesus had the dunamis power of God on him for what? To heal. What I felt the Lord wanting to do today is he wanted to release his power to you to heal. The power of God is connected. The dunamis power of God is connected to your private prayer life. This is why they say no man is greater than his prayer life. So there's things that God had for you to accomplish this year, but it needs that private place of prayer where God can mold you into the man and woman he needs to release his healing power to those around. Where you wrestle and you gain intimacy and authority Paul being alone with God to then walk in the dunamis power of God for the healing of his people and the establishment of his kingdom. This is what Jesus modeled. See, when you go into that private pray, place of prayer with your kingdom and you abandon it, you'll come out with his power to establish his kingdom. A leper was healed. A paralytic man was healed. Jacob in our story was healed of the internal wrestle, but he was also healed externally of his relationship with his brother. What's hanging in the balance of your private wrestle is healing. Oh, 
There is healing that God is waiting to release if you'll just get to that place alone with him so he can rearrange, he can reform you into the image, into the man or woman that he has longed to walk with and release and establish his kingdom on the earth. Believe that the Lord today, number one, he wants to stir the embers of private prayer in your own life. Number two, he wants to bring healing to you today. Healing physically, healing emotionally, healing mentally, healing spiritual healing, healing from ministry wounds, healing from hindrances, healing from lack of intimacy, healing from lack of prayer, healing to you. I believe that the power of God is in this room already to heal. I saw healing coming to minds. I saw healing coming to marriages. I saw healing coming to fathers. I saw healing coming to sons and daughters. And I saw dead things coming to life where your prayer life was dead and it would come through healing, him healing wounds and igniting that place of intimacy and authority in prayer. I saw dead emotions, dead spirituality coming to life in the place of prayer, in the tent today, in the desolate place today. I saw pursuits of God dead, prayer being dead, but God bringing life and bringing and breathing His Spirit on, sending His fire to that place. If you will yield yourself and abandon, can you just close your eyes, lift your hands, and say, Speak, Lord, your servant is listening, and let him reveal the internal wrestle that he wants to bring healing to. Right now, ask him. Ask him to reveal mindsets. Ask him to reveal his hand. Ask him to reveal his heart. I pray right now. Holy Spirit, come. Oh, Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Come on, invite him. Holy Spirit, come. We yield to you. Holy Spirit, come.